The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, it's Sean, and I'm here to introduce you to a bonus episode of Real Blend, an interview that we did with Blue Bayou director Justin Chan. Uh, it's one of those films that we had on our radar and wanted to put a spotlight on ever since it got invited to the Cannes Film Festival, and that's something that we got a chance to talk to Justin about. Um, if you're not familiar with the movie, it stars Alicia Vikander uh, opposite the director, who's actually the leading man in it, and it uh, details some of the struggles that people are going through with deportation and uh gets into a lot of the conversations about who is an immigrant and who is an actual American when you have a character who um, migrated over to the United States at a very early age uh, and then has to go through these processes set up by our government to essentially prove that he belongs here. And it gets into a lot of the conversations about who belongs and who doesn't. Um, without me elaborating on the entire film, I'm just going to throw it right to our interview. Uh, so here is the Real Blend conversation on behalf of Blue Bayou with Justin Chong. But I wanted to start with this, if we could. It's not a lot of opportunities to speak to somebody uh, who is being told that their movie is going to have its world premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. So if you can take me back yes. to that day when you got that call, what did that feel like? What what was it like to be told that's where Blue Bayou was going to premiere? <laughs> um, the truth of it all is um, I was in prep for my most recent film, so I was numb. Because I was so tired. <laughs> I was so tired. Um, also, you know, the whole pandemic and, you know, everything that just like, you know, because I finished this film uh, June of 2020. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah. So, you know, I I had already sort of I did a television project after, you know, I, I worked on something else for, for almost a year. So I was excited, of course. I mean, Cannes is like the pinnacle. It's 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 the the the, the, the creme de la creme of, of festivals and a place to showcase your work. So of course I was, uh, I was incredibly excited. Um, but I think it took me going there to be like, Oh, you know what? This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> you know, I think I was just, my head was so far up my ass that I, I, I think that I just wasn't like registering how, what an amazing thing that was happening at the moment. But when, once I like landed in the play, you know, I was flying in, to I think what is it Nice and then you know um, you just see all the boats in the water and you're like what is this because you know I'm from mm -hmm. California and like when you fly in 
you see fishing boats and stuff, not like yachts and like, you know, just like, you know, right. leisure, you know? So and I you're was not just going like, well, as an attendee, is... like you're bringing your film, you know, like. Yeah. So it was, it was incredible, man. It was absolutely mind blowing. And then, you know, it's just like so classy too, you know, it's just like a classy festival. They just are so organized and like, you know, have everything down and you're just seeing famous person, people like everywhere. You're just like, what is what is going on right now? So, um, no, it was an incredible experience. Awesome. Thank you. you. Justin, I, we spoke to you on the television day for this film. And, you know, one of the things I, we talked about a little bit, I wanted to dive into it more here because this is a filmmaking podcast and please feel free to get as geeky as you want. But the 16 millimeter looks beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful to look at. And just, just the choice to shoot on 16 millimeter, what that gives you as a storyteller. And was it a challenge for you to, 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 to even get 16 millimeter film stock, to be able to shoot the movie and kind of how that plays into kind of how precious all your scenes really are? Yeah. And it didn't help that I acted in the film because, you know, you try, when you're shooting off film, you're trying to be economical. Um, but, you know, I think you try to do more rehearsals, you know, ahead of time so that, that, that uh, you don't waste you don't burn too much film, but yeah, you know, I, I will tell the story is, um, and this has to do with shooting on film is we were shooting on these, uh, vintage sixties lenses and, um, we blew through the first two days, like killing it. Like we were like patting each other on the back, giving each other hugs. We're like, we're killing this film, like super overconfident. And, you know, like film, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, send it off you got to make sure it doesn't go through x-rays and, and it's got to we're shooting new orleans so it's, it has to get sent to los angeles to photocam and it could process developed and processed and uploaded we get our first set of dailies back after our third day and 70 percent of the footage is soft and i'm like what? oh oh fuck <laughs> like what the hell so like we were like, we told the focus puller who I've worked with on two previous films. I was like, get up here. And we're like, I know it's not you. I've seen you do, I've seen, this isn't even that, that, that hard yet. I've seen you do much being much more difficult situations, pulling like off of distance, like what the hell is going on? And we're trying to figure it out, but we just could not figure it out. Um, but the next day we have to shoot and we can't continue to shoot knowing that like, you know, what is this? You can't all be soft. Oh my gosh. Um, so we barely slept. We were trying to troubleshoot the problem and we decided to just change out the lenses to more, uh, modern lenses. And what we ended up finding out from Panavision once they like, we're looking at it that because the camera was old, the gearing, when we, because we were pulling so quickly that it wasn't able to keep up with how we were pulling the lenses. So, oh, wow. so, things were going out of focus or were going into focus and, and um, it was not a good start to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what, you know, shooting 16? on 16. Did you have to reshoot that stuff? No, no, no. Like I, I do a rolling edit. So I have my editor on set um, editing and we're seeing if we could piece it all together. And we're like, okay, we have enough. We, 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 we could salvage these days because, you know, we started off slow. We didn't mm -hmm. shoot like a lot of emotional stuff and we were just getting our bearings. But, but man, you know, I was just like, ah, immediately kind of like, did I like kind of regretting like shooting on 16 because I'm like, why? Like, cause if you shoot on digital, you have, don't have those problems. You see the day you see what you're shooting right away. But 16, that, that, that sort of, uh, 
latency that that sort of a delay of mm. of of seeing what you're shooting is quite scary um but you know the rest of the shoot was fine but uh it was a freaky moment where i was like second guess myself i'm like should we just switch to digital for the rest of the shoot so tempted but i was like no if we're gonna go down we're gonna go down in flames you know like it was like <laughs> let's just do it we gotta go this episode of real blend is brought to you by marvel strike force Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wow. Justin, I want to touch on uh, the dialect, which I really think that you guys nailed. I have family from that area, so I've heard that dialect my entire life, and it really, you guys absolutely nailed it. Uh, I want to talk about how you sort of found the specific dialect for that area of Louisiana, and then for someone like Alicia, who one, has to then transfer to an American accent, and not just an American accent, but a, a, a specific American accent, how difficult was that process for her? Um... So for me, uh, you know, I wrote the script, so I had been thinking about it for a, a bit and, and, um, you know, I did find a dialect coach and, um, we modeled it after three people, um, from a, from like around the St. Francisville and also Baton Rouge. And we got a different array, but we, we took qualities that we liked of each person. They were real people, not famous people, just like real ordinary people. And we broke down their accents and then we made an amalgamation of something that we felt represented the socioeconomic class, you know, like also um, the region and, and the type of people he would, you know, take all that stuff into consideration uh, to construct that accent. And, and then it was just after that, just a lot of, lot of practice and a lot of listening mm. for Alicia. Um, you know, and then it was about taking it out into the world. You take it out of the world and you just like constantly drill it and see if you can become one, you know, and, and, and fool people, you know, and, mm. and, uh, if people think you're phony, then you're like shit. And, but then that forces you to work harder. But Alicia, you know, I mean, she's an Oscar winning actress. Um, uh, she she did work with a dialect coach and she came a bit early as well. And she met some real people and, and modeled it. But we had some discussions about the accent, you know, because 
I felt like mine was a little bit like, you know, a little bit like more, a little bit more rugged, you know, a little bit more um, pronounced. And then hers is from, you know, would be a specific sort of, uh, you know, socioeconomic class and also region and also, you know, cater a little bit more towards Caucasian, you know, um, mine was from two African-Americans and one Caucasian, you know, um, so, you know, these are the considerations we had and, 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 um, we had to coordinate, we had to coordinate because when you, when you put two accents together and if it's not sort of like, doesn't make sense together, Hmm. it sounds like cacophony. It it sounds really bad you know, so we, we had to really consider those things and, you know, most people don't think about how much work even just that is, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if this is something that you've talked about uh, at length in the run to this, but one thing I'm always going to remember from it is, is the design and the selection of Antonio's tattoos. Um, And, you know, how I believe that they're very important to him as a character, but I was hoping that you could elaborate um, in, in the selection of what, what's showing and, and what is revealed and what you think they mean to, to him and what they meant to you. Yeah. So, you know, basically I just got tattooed for real for the film. Um, so I had a tattoo that I got when I was 17, 18, that I'd wanted to get covered up for a long time. And then, you know, this film came around and I was like, okay, you know, like I'm, I'm getting older. I, I, I have a kid, I'm married, like gives a shit, you know, what's mm-hmm. on my body. Like as long as it's not on my face, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I went and got, uh, you know, uh, a cover up by this guy, uh, Jeremy Swan. And basically it's an American traditional, which is exactly what he would have. Mm. And, um, and I just left the outline so that like, we outlined over it and I just left it to so look like a half finished sort of dirty tattoo. Uh, and I left that. And then I also, uh, you know, Jesse tattoos my hand in the film and I, and I got a A plus J forever, mm. which is Antonio plus Jesse, Jesse for the number four ever. Oh my gosh. Um, that's awesome. What a keepsake. Yeah. But you know, my daughter's name is Ailani. My name is Justin. So I kind of planned it in that way. And then, and my wife who knows how to tattoo, she tattooed this on my hand in the, in our hotel bathroom, like two days before the shoot. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's, That's awesome. really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. But it's all American traditional. It's all American traditional is, is, is to answer your question uh, is the style of tattoo that he has, mm. which is ir- ironic because he claims America on his body and, and America wants to deport him. Right. You know, Justin, one of the things that we talked about a little bit in the TV interview as well were, were, the, were the hairs in the gate um, for the, on, on the film. Yeah. And then you can actually notice them in the film at some point. And like, specifically, there's a moment like like because like, the 166 is such a great ratio and it's so tall. But I wanted to ask you about the, the if you can elaborate on the hairs in the gate and kind of like why you as a filmmaker, you would decide to keep those in. For me, as an audience member, like this feels almost docu style. So like we're, we're capturing yes. real life, real people. And like, <clears throat> it just happens to be the way it was filmed. This is how we got the footage. And I just wondered, you know, is that, is that the, is that the kind of the way you made it up to yourself? Like, okay, all right, there's hairs in the gate. It, it also tell our audience what that is too, because in the film, you see some, a little, like these little black frays that are on the frame in the bottom and top of the frame. Yeah. It's basically when dust or hair or, or, or uh, any, foreign like you know dust uh, particles get into the behind the lens right onto the onto the the the, the, where the 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 film film is being 
you know, run through. And, and uh, what you're supposed to do is, you know, between when you change a mag or a magazine or, or you change a lens or whatever, you, you, you uh, use, you know, air, compressed air to like kind yeah. of blow out any, any stuff that's in there and you check, that's what they mean by checking the gate is you check the gate to make sure that like, you don't have like some crazy thing that just messed up all the footage. Um, as meticulous as you can be, but you know, obviously this is a run and gun shoot, like, but as meticulous as you can be, you're sometimes you're going to get like little particles or dust or hair in there. Uh, I decided to keep it in, you know, um, you know, I did, you know, between us, I, I did erase some like really bad ones, you know, because, you know, you can't have that where it's too distracting, you know, like someone, you know, sometimes you have hair, like hair in the gate, like a dust particle that is actually moving too much yeah. in the, and you can't, you know, I mean, that's distracting, but if it's just like kind of stationary in there, the idea was it's just like you're saying the docuness of it and also the reality of it, I think it gives like this tactile element and reality to like this almost like you're watching you know this being filmed on a on like a camcorder or something you know mm. and um it was something that was very important to me and the, of course like the, the studio and the producers are like what is this shit in the you know in like these corners you know and like you're like no man this is like this is uh this is something we really want to keep they're like oh well this is gonna have to be a discussion and but then ultimately I explained my part of it and I explained the reason for it artistically. Also, when you do QC, when you QC the film, quality, quality control, mm. you know, you, 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 you they, there's these agencies that, that, that are outsourced to like look through the film and make sure everything is quality. Right. And, mm. you know, places like, you know, Netflix or whatever, they won't even take the film if it doesn't pass those requirements. So, you know, that was actually a big consideration is they're like, you know, you can limit like this can be a problem in terms of getting distribution or, you know, um, you know, all sorts of things. So do you really want to keep it? And I was like, you know what? No, like, yeah, we have to. We have to keep the hair in the gate. We have to keep those little phrase, you know, and, and you know, speaking of can, they were like saying, yes, you kept the hair in the gate, you know, like in you know, a French, thick French accent. They're like, there's true cinema. Cinema, you know, and you're just like, yes, it is, motherfuckers. You know, this shit is tight. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was the decision to keep that in there. It's really cool. I mean, for people who watch the film, just it, it's it, it to me, it was part of the immersion. Like it, it didn't distract at all. It, it just felt like I was watching real life and you'll notice them in the corners. It's really cool. I, I'm so happy you kept those in, by the way. It's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Justin, I'm yeah. talking to you from Chicago and, and whenever they shoot a film here, it's a third largest city in the country the whole city goes nuts it's like a huge deal when they shoot anything here and they shoot stuff here all the time i want to talk about what it was like shooting in a smaller community and how the people of the community responded uh was it a big deal to them was it all like oh my god like hollywood's come to town because i'm from a small town and i know that my town would have freaked out if they had shot a film there so i'm just sort of curious what the people of the community were doing so you know new orleans is like another like film hub uh, and they've yeah. had enough filming down there uh, that they don't give a shit. You know, they're just kind of, it's kind of a nuisance. They're like, we don't care if the filming just like, you know, get it done or, or, you know, like get out of here. Like, but you know, the community is quite supportive there. Like they just say, they, they want to help out. They, they, um, you know, especially if it's like, you know, about like certain topics like this or, or, and in, they know that you're trying to photograph the city in an authentic way. I think, they become very supportive and, and, you know, New Orleans people in general are just kind. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of uh, consideration given and, and, and locations, you know, it's, it's, they're open to doing it and, and, you know, putting up their, their, their places uh, for filming. And um, yeah, so we didn't have a problem, you know, in terms of that, like I really got most of the locations that I wanted, you know, um, but I will say this, you know, uh, a problem we had in locations is that, you know, it's the temporal area you know it's constantly underwater and the bayou scenes we lost like a day or two because uh we got flooded it, we couldn't even get to the bayou because you know it rained and the roads were underwater so um hmm. that costs us yeah that costs us uh, a few days and that's like you know on a on an indie film is like disastrous uh justin i think we're going to be running out of time so i'll wrap you up on this one um i love that you mentioned earlier the challenge of you know choosing to act in the film that you directed uh, and I love getting opinions from people who do try that going going forward. What are some elements of both of them uh, that you learn some things on in Blue Bayou that you hope to bring to maybe the next project to make you a better actor and make you a better director at the same time? Yeah, I think the acting wise, you know, is the preparation and having the proper amount of time. Uh, but, you know, in, in film and television these days, you just don't have that luxury. Um but, you know, maybe asking for that, you know, really like fighting for that, I think is important. Um, and in terms of directing, um, you know, just continuing to grow and, and grow the st- my style and, 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 uh, and finding things that, that, that are effective and work for me. Um, also, um, you know, something that never goes out of style that, that I feel is is a constant in, in filmmaking is like just not compromising you know it's like you know of course you have to compromise in terms of like budget or or, or um you know but when you're shooting i do think and i told this to my ad and she repeated it back later that i said you know you only get one chance you know to film a movie in that moment in that time you have to be greedy you cannot be worried about what everybody's thinking about you or if you're like a piece of shit or you just have to be greedy because you're not going to be able to go back and, and get those, get those images, you know, like, so, you know, I, like I've never, you know, I've worked with all, all my crews, like, uh, have loved working with me. And, you know, especially even this cruise that has told me like anytime they would work with me again in a heartbeat. So I'll obviously be respectful, but like, man, be greedy. Like, that's what I learned is just be greedy and get, get, you know, don't try to think you're a master and only be like, get the bare minimum. Be like, no, 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 no. I know exactly how it's going to cut. I, I'm an auteur <laughs> and I know, like, I, I know exactly it's going to cut from this to this door opening and, and to this action. Dude, just be greedy, man. Just get it, dude. And mm-hmm. just don't, don't, don't like be so hoity toity about yourself and, and take yourself so seriously. Just know that maybe you don't know. And just get, just be greedy on the day and get it. And, you know, even if you're tired. (laughs) Well, I know we have a lot of filmmakers who listen to this podcast, uh, up and comers too. So hopefully they'll benefit a lot from that advice. So Justin, thank you so much for joining our show and, uh, we'll send everybody to go check out Blue Bayou. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Good to see you. Have a great day. 
course, we want to thank Justin so much for joining the show. Make sure you check out Blue Bayou uh, once it is available in theaters around you, as long as you feel safe. I want to let you guys know that on this week's main show, we're also going to have a returning guest, Mike Flanagan, uh, and his producer, Trevor Macy, are coming back to Real Blend uh, to talk about their new Netflix series, Midnight Mass, which... Jake and I have both managed to see, cannot recommend it highly enough. And of course, it's just fun to have Flanagan back on the show. So when the main uh, episode of Real Blend drops this week, make sure you guys grab it right away. If you're watching us here on the YouTube channel, go down and hit subscribe. Turn on your notifications. We're putting up new episodes of Real Blend every single week. We want to make sure that you guys get to see every single one of them. And as for uh, all of your podcast needs, make sure that you subscribe to Real Blend where you get podcasts. And we'll see you back here next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 